Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Starting off hour number two, let's get to our friend Bama Bob. He's going to have to do it today without the info uh, music. Bama, how are you? I'm a little confused. I no, am too. I thought we switched <laughs> up the guest list. Uh, we'll muddle our way through it. How are you today? Well, 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 man, I'm doing good. How are you? Anxious to talk football again. Absolutely. So I'm. I don't know if you know how much of the Big Ten Media Day you saw yesterday. Just uh, maybe some of the Twitter from it. Uh, Kevin Warren saying it's year two of a three to five year period of disruption in college athletics. That should get yeah. people's attention. Yeah, and listen, I like the guy. He took a lot. I know he took a lot of heat. Um, you know, there was probably some. Let's just be honest. There was probably some racism in it early on, and but I think he's done a really good job. I know he took a lot of heat wanting to cancel the the COVID year in, mm-hmm. in 2020 or whatever it was. Um, but uh, I like what he's done. I mean, it's it, it's a bold move. I mean, adding USC and UCLA. I mean, it really, like you said yesterday, you know, the the footprint goes from LA to New York to Chicago. So I mean, it, it it's he talked the thing the thing that I think. My takeaway from it was he just talked about it as almost like a business. I mean, and that's what it is now. It's not what we grew up with. It's not what it was 20 years ago. It's not what, you know, with Steve Spurrier and, and Phil Fulmer and, you know, all the, you know, all the back and forth. But it, it's just all, it's all different now. Everything has changed. The landscape has changed. It's going to keep changing. Um, I, I thought I didn't like the comments, and I guess it's just boilerplate. But he talks about you know, listen, we're not going to do anything unless it benefits our student athletes. That's not true. It's all driven <laughs> right. by money. Yeah. I mean, we know that. Sure. Come on, let's let's don't kid a kidder. But I thought his his comments, like you said, were were pretty pointed, and they're in a clear arms race with the SEC. I mean, there's no question that when you know the SEC added Texas and Oklahoma, they're like, okay. You're going to add a pair of queens. We're going to go get you know, mm-hmm. at least a pair of kings or whatever uh, in terms of television market. And I think he caught a break with Lincoln Riley going to USC because I think they're going to be really good and really relevant really fast. And they're a brand, they're another brand name that you can add to that conference. So along with Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and Nebraska and all these other ones, so um, pretty good. I thought. Ference to me, I caught a little bit of his comments. He just sounded worried. You know, he sounded like a guy that has been around for almost a quarter century at the same place, which is good. But, mm-hmm. you know, the landscape has changed. And I think he made some good points. Is You know, it's it's got a chance just to get away from us. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe it already has started to get away from us. So, and nobody is, nobody's in charge, I think is kind of yep. where I got it. From, from Kirk Ferentz yesterday, and that worries him. And I've heard Nick Saban say the same thing, and people have called Saban disingenuous because Alabama can compete with anybody in terms of money or whatever else, and, and maybe a school like Iowa doesn't have quite as deep a pockets, but I think Saban is legitimately concerned. He's from that same old-school kind of mm-hmm. you know, coaching tree and background and everything else. Um, but it it is changed, and that, that to me was, was the takeaway from Ferentz. I saw – 
clips from those two and read a little bit about what those two guys had to say. But uh, it's changed. It's not going to change back. So we just all need to get used to it. And I think five years from now, I mean, it's going to have to settle at some point, right? So, I hope. Um, I mean, just just for stability's sake, it's got to settle at some point. Um, but we'll see where it goes. But it, it's it's changed, and it's not going to change back. No, no doubt about it. The other takeaway, and Ference reiterated exactly what you said uh, when he was on the Big Ten Network yesterday afternoon with the uh, trio of hosts on on the panel. I just want somebody in charge. I mean. Uh, the NFL yeah. does it right, right? All 32 teams have the same say. It's the same salary cap they're playing for. They're all running the same race. So you can't say that necessarily uh, in college football, and that was one of my right. takeaways. The other one was, boy, it sure seems, Bama, that uh, this 12-team playoff, 18-team playoff, those have been cast aside. Sankey said as much at SEC Media Days last week. Ference reiterated it. Alvarez reiterated it. And Kevin Warren did likewise. We're headed to a 16-team playoff, baby. Not sure when that gets here. Not saying it's next year, but once we yeah. do get to expansion, it sure seems like 16 is the magic number. It does, and, you know, I don't – there's so much to me. I mean, that's basically going to create a 17-game season, which is – or 16 games at least for the for the teams the, – for the last two standing, I guess, because you got – what's that? That's four playoff games you got to win. Essentially, mm-hmm. I mean, for 16, right? I mean, so, and that's on top of a 12 game regular season. It is a 17 game. That's on top of 12 regular season and maybe a conference championship game. So, I mean, in some ways, I like that because we're not going to argue over number 17 should have got in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, or if we are, nobody's going to listen to you. Well, okay? if it's Iowa or Iowa State, we'll take those calls here. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. But I, the thing that the thing I don't like about it is, I'm I'm afraid it's going to really just does it really does a regular season really going to matter? Because with these mega conferences, you know who's going to get in? You're going to have three or four from one conference. Are they going to put limits on it? You know, a conference can only have two teams or three teams, or you know, are they going to put no limits? Just like, is it going to be NIL just for playoff? Hmm. You know, teams. Uh, who knows? Um, I, I think it will create better regular season matchups because now you're not going to have to worry about losing a game in September and going back and now comparing, well, you lost the one game to this team and, you know, uh, you, now you're battling them for number four in the playoff or whatnot. And, uh, the conference championship games are just going to kind of have to generate their own excitement because the likelihood is, uh, that both participants will make a playoff somehow. So, I mean, you know, what we saw that kind of last year with the SEC with Alabama winning, but we knew that if they won, both teams were in. Well, now with a 16, I mean, there's no question that probably your both conference championship game participants of any conference right. are likely to make the playoffs. So what, what does that do to those? So there's pros and cons to it. But listen, again, it's all money. It's all, it's just, it's how much can we grab? How much can we make? And uh, I don't, I don't like it really from a competitive standpoint of college kids maybe having to play 16 games, and we're going to probably have to play them on campus sites, I think, unless they're going to use 32 bowl games for this, or you know, eight bowl games or whatever it is for all that. But we'll see what happens. But you're right. I mean, we're headed to 16. They're not going to do 12 because of the bye weeks, and uh, it, it, I don't know how I don't know how long it's going to extend. You know how how big of a break are we going to get, and how long is it going to extend? Are we still going to finish 
the second week of January? Are we going to put mm. in the middle of January? Where are we? How are we going to handle all the, all the calendar and everything? So. Well, we'll if, see how that goes. Uh, it's uh, fascinating. A lot of questions still be answered, no doubt about that. All right, let's leave that beside. Let's finish up with the Big Ten. I had a couple more uh, uh, schools I wanted to ask you about, Bama. Uh, my guilty pleasure is Kentucky. We'll get to them when we talk about the SEC. Your yeah. guilty pleasure, what we mean by that is if there's you know there's a game that really doesn't interest you, or in my case, if there's an, uh, a Hawkeye's next opponent or Cyclone's next opponent, don't have to watch that. If I can find a Kentucky game, that's where I'm going to be, for whatever reason. Bama, on the other hand, his guilty pleasure is Purdue. Bama, I think that they're a team that maybe was getting a little bit overlooked in the West, which I think, look, Wisconsin, they're the favorite. I get it. Iowa's got a great defense. Uh, Minnesota's rebuilding their offensive line. I'm not sure Nebraska is back. I think Purdue's getting overlooked. Two transfer receivers from Iowa. In Jones and Tracy, they may have the best quarterback in the West, uh, in Aiden O'Connell. Uh, your thoughts on your guilty pleasure, the Boilermakers? Might they be uh, a team that maybe is getting overlooked? Uh, possibly. I mean, like you said, I don't think the West is a juggernaut, Ken, and I don't think you. I think you. You know, probably share that opinion. There's good teams, but uh, I don't know that it's. I think it's kind of wide open. I'm. I'm sort of with you on that. I, again, we talked about another day. I'm not sold on Nebraska. I do like Minnesota with, with I like, you know, <laughs> you can say whatever you want about Fleck, but I, I like the energy that he brings. I like the passion. His, his kids play hard. Tanner Morgan, how good is he? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is. he's a gamer. He's a baller. Yep. We like yep. that. Um, and he can make some plays. I mean, a couple years ago, he had those two great receivers, and, you know, they were, they were a handful. Uh, you know, Ibrahim coming back, I think, is big for them. Now, again, what what kind of offensive line are they? Is he going to have to run behind, and how healthy is he, and all that other type of thing? Is is this going to be? It's been almost a full year, which is a good thing. He's not coming back. It's not like he suffered it late in the year, and it's going to take him a few. You know, you know, the, the twelve months seems to be the magic number for those major injuries. So, I think they're going to be good. But you're right. I mean, uh, Purdue, they're. Are they as good as anybody? I don't know. I, I tell you what I love. I love the opening game against Penn State on a Thursday night. Again, yeah. the Big Ten, absolutely getting it right. Illinois, Indiana on Friday, but they, you know, they open that Thursday night after Week Zero. Uh, they're going to open with uh, Penn State at Purdue, and I think that's a big game for both teams mm-hmm. because Penn State. That's a kind of a must win for Penn State if they want to really challenge because I don't think Ohio State's going to drop too many games this year, uh, if if any. Um, but, look, that'll be a good test for Purdue right out of the gate. Then they've got some manageable games, uh, you know, Indiana State, Syracuse, Florida Atlantic, and then they go to Minnesota and Maryland. I think that's really going to be the key for them. Are they going to be able to compete in the West? They've got to split those. Uh, those are two road games, uh, two tough opponents, one from the East, one from the West. And then, it, you know, at Wisconsin is going to be tough. Their schedule's not really favorable. They they got a lot of tough away games. So that Penn State game all of a sudden is tough, but I think they can hang maybe in the uh in the West. I, I like Minnesota because of the quarterback. I think Illinois is gonna pick somebody off. I don't think they're ready to challenge for the West, but they can probably pick somebody off that you're not expecting. So uh that is an interesting division. This year, and I, you're right. I'll be watching Purdue, as you say, my guilty pleasure team, and I'll find spots to watch them. But 
I'm going to definitely be locked and loaded on that Thursday night because that's a great way for them to open the season up yeah. there in West Lafayette. Yeah. No doubt. And four days before that, over in Dublin and over in Ireland, yeah. uh, northwestern Wisconsin. So, yeah, I'd love the way yep. the Big Ten's doing it as well. But, I mean, let's stay on Penn State for just a second. Pecking order-wise in the East, right? I mean, Ohio State's on a plane all by themselves. Right. Is, is it a legitimate battle for the uh, second spot? Is I mean, is Purdue uh, – Purdue – is Penn State and, and Michigan – Equal? Uh, Michigan got a decided edge. Where is that game? Well, they get Penn State's got to go to Ann Arbor. Um, that's unfortunate for the Nittany Lions. Um, how big of a gap? Or how do you see it? Who's number two? Well, that's a great question because Michigan's got a quarterback battle. I mean, uh, isn't I think that crazy? I think was... Let me stop it for a second. That's wild, isn't yeah. it? It is. It absolutely is. He won I mean, twelve games was... last year. Right, but everything you read is McCarthy and McNamara the yeah. legitimate battle and. Listen, Harbaugh put put the backup in. I mean, in some crazy situations mm-hmm. last year. I remember looking at this, going, "What are you doing? Why are you doing this now?" But he did it, and I don't I don't know why. I mean, only he knows why. Probably because he's making ten million a year, and nobody can fire him. That's probably why he's doing it. Um, but they've got a quarterback battle, and you know, listen, I've always said if you if you don't have one guy, you don't have any. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like the whole platoon situation or we're going to get this guy a series or that. Unless it's a clear backup, you know, you've got a senior and you're trying to bring a guy along. We've seen that in the past. But if you're talking about, you know, hey, this guy's number one this week, this guy's number one next week, I mean, you've got to have a leader on the team. So that's an issue with them. Penn State lost so many good players off of defense. I mean, Dotson and, uh, you know, uh, well, Dotson's going off of offense, right. but Brooks and, uh, was it a big kid? I can't even say his name, but you know, what I'm talking about big number 17. The right. Temple transfer. Yep. Absolutely. Remember watching him from, uh, game one going, how did this guy ever wind up at Temple in the first place? Mm-hmm. So they lost a lot, but they've got a quarterback and he's a pretty good one. He's another guy like Morgan. He's a gamer. Mm-hmm. Been there a long be time. Been there a long time. Needs to be better. James Franklin now is his eighth year at Penn State. It's crazy to me how time flies. You really think about that coming from Vanderbilt. But they've got a shot. I, I tell you a game that I'm really interested in. And Penn, we're going to know a lot about Penn State in the first three weeks, uh, Kenny, because we already talked about Purdue. Uh, I don't, they should be favored in that game. And they got a home game against Ohio. And then they come down to Auburn to return oh, that my. game last year. And that's going to be a fun game because, you know, we'll talk about Auburn later with all their issues. But that Penn State at Auburn game, that's got to be a primetime ESPN on that's week three. So we'll know a lot from Penn State. If they can get through that, then they've got a couple of, you know, Central Michigan, Northwestern. and They do have a bye week going into Ann Arbor. So that, that could help them out. So if they can get off to a quick start with two tough, road games under their belt, then I think they can really challenge for second. I just can't see them. Uh, you know, they look, they get the wide, they're going to have a wide out game against Ohio state. I'm pretty sure that's going to be, got to be the wide out game. So, uh, but you know, that's, a, that's a tough three week schedule for them at Michigan, holding Minnesota, Ohio state. That's not, not easy. Um, but they're, they're, they've got a chance to be number two. But we'll know a lot more about them, I think, after the first three weeks of the season. One more real quick one, Bam. It's kind of a selfish one before we get to the ACC. And I don't think we – we didn't talk about Rutgers yesterday, did we? I think maybe I threatened to, but no, then decided no. against better judgment yeah. to do so. So Rutgers had a really bizarre year last year. Do you remember how they ended the year? They were home for Christmas. They'd left. They'd packed things up, equipments away. And was it A&M that had to beg out of the bowl yeah. game? 
and they Somebody got did, yeah. right. And at the last, yep. literally, like maybe within a week of the bowl game, they got come on back. We need we're, we're yeah. playing in a bowl game with five wins, uh, and they went and they got pummeled by Wake Forest, who had themselves a pretty darn good year. Yeah, but but here's my question for you: Rutgers is their over under number is four and a half. A conference wins two and a half. I want to bet the over, Bama, because I'm a Shiano fan, and I think I see yeah. the arrow pointing up a little bit. I don't want to spend a ton of time, but am I nuts? No, I don't think so. I, I think especially on the conference win, Ken. I mean... So they look, have to win three. Yeah, they got to win three. So, you know, at Boston College, okay, they're, not gonna, they're probably not going to beat Iowa. They're probably not going to beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. They're not going to beat Michigan or Penn State, so let's just throw those there. But that kind of leaves a trip to Boston College, all right, Indiana at home, at Minnesota, at Michigan State, at Maryland. I mean, there's three wins in there, I think. Well, you were conference games two and a half, so Nebraska on a Friday, Indiana Indiana can be a win. Yeah, right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, Yeah. you know, at Boston College, they could win that game, toss up. Let's say, yeah. Um, Nebraska, that's two. Indiana, that's three. Maryland, that's four. I need one more. Michigan State. It, where is Michigan State? Do they come back to the pack? Are, now, are you talking about overall wins now? Or well, if you, let's do overall because you're throwing Boston College into the equation. So, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yes. Okay. Overall, yes. So overall, is it five? I need five. I need five. Yeah, I think you can get five because you got Wagner in there. That should be a layup. Yeah. I would think Temple would be two. That would be another one. That That's would two. Probably be two right there. Indiana and, and three. Indy, Indiana three. Um, and then you got Maryland, Michigan State, <sighs> Nebraska, Boston College, and they what? One out of those? Two mm-hmm. out of those? Mm-hmm. I think I really like them in the conference. I'll tell you that. I like I like the over two and a half in the conference. I think we have three conference games. Let's move on to the ACC, shall we? And we only got like 10 minutes left. On, or we only don't with less than that. We got seven minutes left. I want to get to the ACC. Yep. Is Clemson a lock? I don't think so because of NC State. I think they're the favorite. You believe in them. Okay. And that, and that game is at Clemson, the NC State game. But look, Clemson has to go to Wake Forest and then they come to, you know, then they host the Wolfpack. I just think that's going to be the, the game. Uh, the game at Miami again, again is at home. So again, looking at the schedule, I mean, at FSU, I don't think this year there's going to be enough at Notre Dame. Eh, you know, does that count as a conference game? I can't remember anymore for the, <laughs> you know what, Bam, it depends what year it is. Seemingly, if it was yeah. on the schedule before Notre Dame joined, it doesn't. I don't know what the, yeah. I don't know the circumstances. Yeah, that's just crazy. I think, you know, that's the whole. I remember Duke and North Carolina playing one time and it wasn't a conference. Right, it wasn't a conference okay. game. Yep, yep. Whatever. Okay, have your fun. But uh, I think they're the favorite. I do not think they're a lock. I don't think there's anybody out of the coastal that's going to be able to beat them. I think Miami is going to be really good. I love what Cristobal is doing down there. And I'm, I'm talking about just from an attitude. He's already mm-hmm. said, listen, they've, they've ditched the turnover chain. Look, we're not doing that. Yeah, I that, saw that. Okay. Like that. I mean, he's so. He's an old school, no nonsense guy, and man, he's going to get some dudes to come down there, okay? Because they, we all know that the area back in the day, and it's just been more fertile now with skilled players and big D linemen and safeties and everything else that that you need to win down there. So I think he's a couple years away, probably from getting that program back. I think he's as good a chance as they've had. 
down there, and they got NIL money to to burn down there. So we've already seen that uh, back before there was NIL. Mm-hmm. But um, and I, they are I burning it too, by the way. They are burning yep, it, spending absolutely. it, and on, on a lot of sports. So I don't think Clemson is a lock. They're certainly a favorite, and it's just because their toughest games. Look, they're going to wax Georgia Tech week one and Furman La Tech, and I, they. I think they're going to probably win at Wake Forest, even though I love Sam Hartman. I, I do, too. He's going to have enough. Because yep. Clemson's strength is going to be defense. And I just and Wake Forest couldn't stop anybody last year. So, But their toughest games, NC State, Miami, uh, are at home. So I, I like them, but I don't I don't think it's a lock. I'm, I'm interested in that. that. That NC State-Clemson game October 1st has got my interest right there because I just think their defense is good enough. Um, ukulele uh, is, is he the answer there? Is I wonder if there's anybody pushing him. Uh, for- yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it anything written about that. I don't think he's the answer. I don't either. And maybe maybe it, maybe it's just a little unfair to him. Ken coming off the heels of the Sean Watson yeah. and Trevor Lawrence. Right. I mean, who is who is going to be? Okay, <laughs> so maybe it's a maybe it's a little bit unfair to him to to hold him to those standards, but. Uh, listen, he struggled last year. I mean, he really – that Georgia game uh, to open the season, the Notre Dame game, they're two toughest opponents. He didn't really play that well. Um, and they were they were on the ropes. Of, God, who was it? Somebody else at home. I can't – maybe it was Boston College at home. Yeah, were, it, was, like, it was less than a touchdown. Off. Yep. Yeah, and they were on the ropes, and, and BC was driving, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I think, had a fumbled snap or something, if I'm recalling that right, but – uh, I, I don't know if he's the answer, but listen, Dabo Sweeney's been around a while. He knows what he's doing. He's a championship coach. Ben, losing Venables is going to be interesting mm. because he was there for a long, that long, long time. It's kind of like uh, the guy that Frank Beamer had um, at Virginia Tech, Bud Foster, for so long. They've oh, just sure. been together forever, and Venables is now at Oklahoma. So, But, look, there's going to be no shortage of applicants and qualified candidates to take the Clemson defensive coordinator job, but um, I don't know that he's the answer, but I love Sam Hartman in that conference, and I liked him last year. And it's sometimes Wake Forest is hard to watch just because it's it's a ring of football. But mm-hmm. I mean, the kid he's tough; he can throw it. Um, he doesn't have a lot of help around him. I think they're going to drop off pretty good this year. I mean, they're not going to win ten games. I don't think again. Uh, if they do, it'll be a great spot for them. But um, Clemson, the favorite for sure in the ACC, but not a lock in my opinion. Yeah, they played 14 games last year, Wake Forest, because they were in the ACC championship against yeah. uh, against uh, Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, against Pitt. Pitt, yeah, they beat um, Pitt. Yeah. Um, Wake Forest of all schools, you know, I, I looked at them, Bama. They've had a winning record in every year but the COVID year, going back over the last handful of years. You don't think yeah, Wake awesome. Forest, the Demon Deeks, right? Maybe that's just how little attention we pay to the – maybe Condon's right. <laughs> Maybe we should overlook this. Call. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, even when they're good, we we ignore yeah. them. You well, you know, know we need Bama. We need Miami and Florida State to get back on the map Absolutely. for crying out loud. And Virginia Tech. You yeah, know, and Tech. Yeah. We need. Here's what we need, Ken. We need Florida State and Clemson to re- come into a true battle for the division, if you will. Okay, somebody to put where that game means the division again, and we need the same thing really out of Miami mm-hmm. and maybe Virginia Tech. In the other one, I mean, because you know, the other Duke, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Virginia, North Carolina. I mean, I, you know, give me Miami and Virginia Tech back in the day when that game was really for the coastal. And we need somebody. We need two really good teams, big teams, 
out of the Atlantic to challenge each other for the division. And I, I don't know that Florida State's anywhere close. I do think Miami's on the rise. Uh, and so maybe it, if nothing else, we'll get a true ACC championship game between Miami and Clemson that's coming up where, where, the, where the outcome is really not predetermined and we get it under a two-touchdown spread. Well, Miami's got, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the conference at Tyler Van Dyke. He is a baller, no doubt about that. Yeah, North yeah. Carolina, you know what, I'm starting to wonder if um, if, if, if Mac Brown kind of laid off the guys in the bowl preparation. He wanted Beamer to get that bucket of mayo dumped on his helmet. Mac Brown wanted no part of that, and that team did not show up uh, against South they Carolina, did. and they were, what, they finished 6-7. and seven. Bama, um, to, I'll, I'll text you later on. I think we're going to do the uh, the Big 12 tomorrow, and and I think we'll throw in the new additions. I know they're not there this year, but maybe we'll take a look at Houston and Cincy and uh, Central Florida, yeah. uh, etc., uh, BYU, and, and squeeze them into our Big 10 conversation. I'll text you later on, Bama Bob. Thanks for doing this for me. I'm out of time, brother. I always enjoy it, Ken. Look forward to tomorrow. All right. Thanks, buddy. Bama Bob's. We yep. talk a little college football here. Uh, but right now, it's time for another $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, you can enter this nationwide contest by inserting the keyword bonus. Bonus at KXNO.com. Your chance at $1,000. Bonus at KXNO.com. Well, David Kaplan joins me next. Are they serious about putting a roof on Soldier Field? Boy, it sure seems like it's too little too late. We'll ask Cappy about that. Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, have they played their final home games at Wrigley Field? Team is on the road. Sure seemed like they were saying their goodbyes yesterday uh, to the uh, home fan base. Uh, Cappy is next. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Miller & Condon. It's a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1130, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We'll take you up until noon uh, here on a Wednesday. You know what the music means. Let's get to Chicago. He's our guy, David Kaplan. He joins us, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago. Hello, Cap. Ken, how are you, bud? What's up, my man? How are you this morning? Doing well. So, Cap, it was kind of, um, I don't know, melancholy might not be the right word, but watching the end of the game yesterday and just the, you know, became apparent to the fans in the stands, certainly the players in the dugout, and it was to Wilson Contreras, uh, that a team that he doesn't want to leave, he's going to be, you know, um, asked to leave because he's going to be traded, him along with Ian Happ and, you know, hugging everybody on the field. Um, it, it's, and then with, with uh, Taylor McGregor uh, on marquee after the game. Man, oh, man, it was kind of tough to watch, Cap. Yeah, it was. It was. It, look, I, I've said this to you before. I've got a really good relationship with Wilson because he's just a quality human, and I have a special needs son who just adores Wilson Contreras. And Wilson and I were not – we had our moments where we battled on when I was covering the team every single day because he thought I was too hard on Quintana. And then we cleared the air, and then I get this phone call from him. Hey, man, do you have a special needs son? I do. Am I his favorite player? You are. Okay, I'm not in the All-Star game this year. This was a year ago. Yeah. Uh, my – parents are flying in from venezuela i'm going to be like 10 minutes from your house and they're cooking a venezuelan dinner 
do you want to bring Brett and come to dinner? But you're not coming as a media guy. You're coming as my friend. How about that? And I said, done. <laughs> so Brett and I drive out there. Brett is wearing his blue Wilson Contreras City Connect jersey that I bought him. Mm-hmm. And we show up, and there's Wilson, and he signs Brett's jersey. And then he said, hey, Brett, i got to take the dog out in the back for a while. Do you want to go with me? Brett's like, yeah. And I start walking, and Wilson goes, you're not invited. It's just me and Brett. <laughs> nice. And so away they go. And then we come in, and he goes, all right, Brett, you can ask me anything you want about our team. Why do we stink, Wilson? Why are we not good? I love the Cubs. And he started laughing, and he could not have been better. And then we had dinner, and then when dinner ends, he goes in his bag. And he's like, Brett, this is for you. This is a game-used jersey. And he signed hmm. that one. And he goes, and this bat is for you. Put that in your room. Yeah, the guy is just quality all the way around, and I'm really, really sad that he's going to be gone. Hmm. Hap, likewise, Cap, looks like he's probably going to be a dealt. Yeah, from what I hear, there, I set the over-under today with Jeff Passan and Jesse Rogers at five-and-a-half Cubs to be wow. traded. And I'm going over. Jeff said it will be five. His five were... Uh, and I agree with his five, Chris Martin, Michael Givens, David Robertson, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras. I think there could be Rafael Ortega, something like, you know, I don't think they're going to trade Jan Gomes if they're trading Contreras, Mm -hmm. but there will be some bench guy that they're going to trade or a wisdom or a schwindel. Somebody will want to back. So I went over five and a half. Stroman, was he on anybody's list? I don't think he's getting traded. I okay. really don't. I, I would be really surprised because if you trade him, now you're down to Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele and who else? Kyle Hendricks, we don't know if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Who else is pitching for you? But if you go Stroman, Steele, Keegan Thompson, mm-hmm. and then maybe Caleb Killian, now you go add one really good arm in free agency, Joe Musgrove or somebody like that, you got a pretty decent rotation. Yeah, what uh, Samson? He, didn't he pitch the other day? Maybe Sunday. Adrian Sampson. Yeah, I just don't think he's a long-term player. Okay, rotation. but I do think he might have some staying power as a spot starter slash, you know, bullpen guy. But we'll see. Jason Hayward's going to be the last one standing. Well, maybe David Ross, although in a different role, clearly. Uh, from the, well, it's just crazy, Cap. I mean, that wasn't too many years ago, and everybody's gone. Yeah, it's a joke. It is literally incredible that if I had said to you on November 3rd, the day after they won the World Series, 2016, okay, you and I are going to be doing an interview in late July of 2022, Hmm. and we're going to be talking about that the only guys left from the World Series team are going to be Kyle Hendricks and Jason Hayward, and David Ross will be the manager. You'd be like, what? Right. Yeah. That's a fact. So what? Uh, before we get to the White Sox, I want to uh, pick your brain on the Bears and Soldier Field, etc. Uh, with you, what kind of return um, do those guys bring? Obviously, as prospects, um, what what does Contreras bring? I don't think you get as much as like the fan base thinks you're going to get because you know the people I talk to feel like he's not the greatest defensive catcher, big arm, mm-hmm. just not the best in terms of game calling and all of that. And 
do you assimilate a guy like that who now has to learn your entire pitching staff in the heat of a pennant race? Now, if he catches a little and he DHs, that's different. So I don't think the return is going to be as massive as maybe some of the fans will be expecting. I do think you're going to get pretty good prospect for David Robertson, and I think you're going to get more than for anyone else for Ian Happ. Mm. And, and once these guys go, I remember when the when the, when the core guys went, right? When the Bryant who's in baseball purgatory in Colorado, but there was always is there a chance they bring him back? I'm hearing Rizzo might come back. The guys that are leaving here this week in all likelihood, any of them get asked to return or is it is it once they're done they're they're gone? They're gone. I yeah. mean, Ian Happ has another year of control. Oh, okay. So he's not going to be available anyway this winter. Um, Wilson Contreras, I do not see a scenario where they're bringing him back because if they were, now you can't, by the rules, say, hey, Wilson, just, you just go play there. We're going to get prospects for you, and then we're going to sign you back. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't, if he knew, if there was a wink, wink, we'll be in touch, let's get this done, there would not be the flood of tears that we've seen yeah. from Wilson Contreras. We just, there wouldn't. So, I don't see any of these dudes coming back. I don't. Uh, uh, let's get to the White Sox cap. I have to assume they're going to be buyers. What are they buying? What are they hoping to buy? I would think they'll buy a left-handed bench bat because I don't think they're going to go out, and I don't think they have really enough to trade unless they're trading off the major league roster to go get a starting caliber left-handed hitting bat. Like, Juan Soto would be great. So I asked Jeff Passett today, to Jeff, Andrew Vaughn, Michael Kopech, Oscar Colas, Colson Montgomery, that's the top two prospects. He said, that's not even close to enough wow. to get Juan Soto. Wow. Yeah. So, and then Juan Soto is under control for the rest of this season and two more years. They've never paid more than $73 million ever for a player. So you're telling me they're going to pay $500 million? Stop. Mm. No chance. Yeah, and that that's a pretty steep package, but it, but uh, but not enough. So, you know, the White Sox pitching staff, Cap, I mean, Giolito doesn't look like the guy that started the All-Star game. He just doesn't. Kopech, it depends what time, well, not what time, what day you watch him. Lance Lynn, kind of similar. He hasn't, and, and maybe it's the fact that, you know, he hasn't got a lot of innings under his belt yet. Uh, but there's concern there, isn't there? Cueto's been way better than anybody thought. I bet Dylan Cease a couple of weeks ago to win the Cy Young. But two, three, and four. Do they have enough? Uh, I think they're going to go add another arm. I do, so that they have a spot starter type. I keep hearing Jose Quintana. But the difference in making that trade is you won't have to give up very much to get Jose Quintana, unlike when the Cubs got him and they gave up their two best players, Jimenez and Dylan Cease. So it's a totally different type of add, and he's comfortable there. The whole thing, he had a good run there before he went to the Cubs. They have to get more bullpen help. Aaron Bummer hasn't even started throwing. So you've mm. got to get a left-handed pitcher in your bullpen. That's A. B, I think you need another right-hander. Liam Hendricks has already had a stint on the injured list. You've got Graveman. Joe Kelly. Been, yeah. Okay, he's been all right. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to go get another righty. I keep hearing they're engaged with the Cubs on Michael Givens. So... A lot of teams want Michael Gibbons. Mike, the Sox actually tried to sign him this winter, and the Cubs got him. 
So Michael Givens would definitely be a guy on their shopping list. So if you add a left-handed reliever, a right-handed reliever, and a bench bat, that's a pretty busy deadline. Yeah, when you reminded me that they've never spent anywhere close, they don't spend big contracts, uh, when I asked about, uh, when you mentioned Soto, uh, there's, there's no need to even ask you about Otani, right? Oh, God, no. They don't have what it would take to get guys like that. No chance. And then you have to sign Otani. Right. I mean, okay, he may not be $500 million, but what's he going to be, Three fifty, four hundred. Mm-hmm. No, he's big. I, I don't see it. Uh, let's move over to uh, the, the Bears, Cap, and not on the field, but uh, in boardrooms. I, I saw the renderings of what Soldier Field would look like with the roof. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's probably too little too late, seemingly. Um, was this just a, look, we tried uh, a type of uh, type of effort to, to show uh, the voting public that we tried to keep the Bears on the lakefront? What's the chance? Is there any shot, Cap? No, God, no. No chance. And then the Bears put out a statement saying something to the effect of the only thing we're looking at is Soldier Field. We are, I mean, is Arlington Heights. We are not considering any type of proposal at Soldier Field. Nothing. So do not be, you know, hoodwinked (laughs) by Mayor Lightfoot. There is zero chance that thing is getting built. 2.2 billion dollars no chance not happening uh let's get on the field with them cap uh it sure seems like it's going to be a long season right with chicago are you uh, give me the pulse of your radio show are you getting i mean if the team was legitimate and they're in training camp i got to think that your wall-to-wall bears calls what's it like um most people are with me that this is like a five-win team that they pick their lane and that's fine if you're going to do that, let Khalil Mack leave and let mm-hmm. Allen Robinson leave and let James Daniels leave and all of these different guys gone. But then embrace that lane and get as high a draft pick as you can. you got over $100 million in cap space. But we got people calling in today. You're just a hater. That's a <laughs> 9-10 win football team. How? And I'm looking at it going, please tell me where. Right. Where is that? An, and I love Justin Fields. I think he's going to be a really mm-hmm. good player. Please tell me where the weaponry is that you look at that team and go, that team can win nine or ten games. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. Mooney, okay, nice player. Byron Pringle, I like David Montgomery. I know you like David Montgomery. Yeah. But that offensive line, I mean, they they signed Michael Schofield off the street. And they plugged him in as the starting right guard already. Cap, I watched this guy when he was drafted by the Broncos, and that was you know a few years ago. He's not, he's not, he's not the answer. And if these are the guys you're signing, and Montgomery's going to run behind, as you mentioned, where are the weapons? It's going to be a long year, right? And then they signed Riley Reef yesterday. I saw that. Yeah, and I'm hearing people. We got our left tackle. He's thirty. Three. Mm-hmm. He was uh, look. If you're on the street the day training camp starts, there's a reason. Right. There's some reason that nobody wanted to sign you. Just a fact. That's mm-hmm. not me. That's not me being a hater. That's not me being negative. They're just not a very good team right now, and that's fine. Then embrace that lane, and then next year hit on your draft pick in the top ten, and you got over a hundred million in cap space. Make some really astute moves. 
Let's go. Uh, we'll finish where we started, Cap, and that's back to the trade deadline. Do the Cubs hold out as long as they can? Might we see a trade You know, prior to Tuesday, which is the unofficial deadline? Might they get in front of it? Obviously, the offer's got to blow them away. Will they hold out to the end to see if they can get a better offer from somebody? I think that they, as soon as they get the right offer, yep. they are going to make the move. Mm-hmm. As soon as they get the right offer, that if they've identified, boy, if we could get that level player for that guy, whoever it is, mm-hmm. deal's done. They don't want to take a chance on anyone getting hurt. Why do you think David Robinson hasn't closed the last two games? Ah, yes. And I had him on yesterday morning, and he did not close the Monday night game. And so I said to him on the radio, uh, unavailable last night, three days in a row? <laughs> he said, no, I've pitched three days in a row already this year. That was not my call. That was their call. They said I was down. Okay. So yesterday afternoon, it's a two-run game after Suzuki's eighth inning home run, and it's 4-2, to two, and I'm like, Michael Givens is closing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's going on here now? And then Robertson, after the game, walked up to Jesse. Hey, thanks to you and Cap for having me on. I appreciate it. And then Jesse said, how come you didn't close today? He said, because I was down. That guy over there said I was down. That was pointing at Ross's office. Mm. So that was not his call. Tells you all you need to know. Cap, have a great week. I'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, bud. Have a great day. Yep, you do the same. David Kaplan, uh, Centurion Stone of I. What an awesome story about his son and Wilson Contreras, his son, Brad, who has special needs. Um, that's tremendous. Good for you, Wilson Contreras. Good for you, and good for you the way you handled Cap. You can come over, but you're not coming over as a media member. You stay there. We're going in the backyard. That's awesome. Moves Wilson Contreras up in a lot of people's book, I'm assuming, including my last guest. All right, come back, finish things up. Miller and Condon here on a Wednesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back. We are out of show. We'll talk about Centurion Stone and sponsors. Cappy tomorrow. We're grateful uh, for that sponsorship. Uh, Nick Oson killing it over at Cyclone Alert. He mentioned uh, what's so out for some Caden Fish news. Boom, it hits. Uh, he has indeed been offered uh, at Iowa State here uh, this morning. All right. Uh, we will hear the next local programming coming up here. In, well, an hour and three or four minutes, Murph and Andy will be here at 1 o'clock. Of course, the Fanatics, Emery Songer, and to-be-determined co-host will slide on in here at 3. Hawk Central scheduled to go tonight at 6. Boys are in Indianapolis. I guess tune in. We'll see. Uh, thank you for being here this morning with me. Tyler Allen, thank you for doing what you do to help me get through this last couple of hours. We shall see you tomorrow, sir. We hope to, uh, that you can come back tomorrow as well. We're Miller and Condon. You can hear Trent and I weekdays from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.